Hey, you're listening to the GGC Life Podcast, weekly messages from our Sunday services. We hope this message encourages you. Be blessed. I might get in trouble for doing this, but it's really, I'm always in trouble. Just want to, um, just want to say a shout out to um, family, friends, cousins, Lisa and Simon. So good that you're here. We love you guys. It's, um, I just wanted to give a shout out, so I'm allowed to have the mic. So, if you don't know who I am, I was that guy with that long hair uh, that used to stand here, and I know my mom has been praying for two long years that my hair would be cut off, and surprise, God does do miracles. It is cut off, but she's still praying for my beard to shave. I said, no, Leo got that revelation, not me, so um, he answered your prayer somehow, mom. In 2002, it's a while ago, uh, 17 years ago, when I was 19, just like Leo, when I was 19, God loves that number, 19, my life was forever changed. I encountered for the first time the real love and the real presence of Almighty God. And, and my world was completely rocked forever. And, and later that year, I encountered, I was introduced to a song. And when I listen to it today, you know when you just listen to a song and it brings you to tears? Like, I can't listen to Butterfly Kisses. You know, Butterfly Kisses after bedtime prayers. I'm like, <laughs> my little daughter, don't grow up. And I just, I listen to it, I cry. And um, there was another song, and it goes like this. It goes, surrounded by your glory, what will my heart feel? Will I stand for you, Jesus? We're in awe of you, be still. You know that song? And it keeps going. It goes, it goes, what, like, will I dance for you, Jesus, when all of you do? Will I stand in your presence? Or to my knees will I fall? Will I sing hallelujah? Would I be able to speak it all? I can only imagine. I can only imagine what it's going to be like the day we see our Savior face to face, when we see him and we meet him. And he stands there with arms wide open to accept us. Despite everything we have done in our earthly bodies, he greets us with love. What, what is our posture to that? What is our response? I don't know about you. I haven't thought about it yet. But you know, the best thing is we don't have to wait until then to be able to express to him the love we have for him because of what he has done for us. Today is the day we can do that. This morning... We continue on our series on worship, and if you're new today, quick recap. Leo kicked us off in our first week talking about the fact that we all worship something or someone, and it, you don't have to be a Christian to worship. We all worship. Whatever, whatever takes first place in our life, whatever takes our first timing, we worship. We give our all to it, and, you know, and we're encouraged to not give our all to anything else but to God. Actually, the first commandment is there will be no other gods but me. You sh- I'm the only God. And we worship and bring our worship to Him. We also spoke about how the first, the first and foremost is our obedience to Him. That we worship in our lifestyle of obedience. Then we looked at love last week. Download the podcast if you haven't. We worship Him not for what He's done. Can I just say, we don't worship Him because He's done things in our lives. We worship for who He is. Like he's so worthy of our worship. When you look through the Bible, the fact that he's faithful to us, the fact that he loves us, the fact that he, I worship you despite what I'm doing, how I feel. 
So that is revelation of who he is, not what he has done. And today, I want to continue the series. The title of my message is, Our Posture of Worship. Somebody say posture. 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 See, worship postures or an outward expression of our inward passion would differ depending on what God is doing within us. We don't all worship the same way. We all worship different, but out of our expression, we worship because of what is happening on the inside of us. You know, God hit me on this because I, I used to be the guy who come to church, like you did, and laugh at people for jumping and, and doing this. And then I got saved and I continued laughing at people. And then I became a leader and I continued. And then until God had enough and said, how dare you laugh at my people worshiping me? Wow, was I forever changed. And I'm the craziest guy on our worship team, right? So now before we begin, we're going to look at a few different postures of our worship from a biblical perspective and then how or why we apply it in our corporate setting. Is that okay? So I'm going to teach today and I'm going to preach. But before we do, I need to say this from the outset. You need to hear this. Two things. We worship out of revelation and we choose to worship despite how we feel. It's never forced on you. It's out of what God has done. We choose to because of the revelation in here. Number one, you hear this, okay? For those who are new and you hear that. The second thing, the crucial point is this. Throughout the Bible, the posture and our physical expression of true worship is not to distract from God's glory, but to display His glory. I don't worship and be crazy so you can see me and go, wow, He loves God. It's, it's all about giving glory. So if I'm distracting, so whatever I say, hear this. It's all about a revelation in your heart. And it's not about us. It's about giving Him all glory and credit. Is that good? So are you ready? Number one, the first posture is raising our hands. And we believe this as a church, and it's all over the Bible. In the presence of God, His people Raise their hands in worship. I'm going to throw out a couple of scriptures. These notes will come out to you, okay? So we're going to go through these in our connect group. So please join the connect group. Uh, see me if you're not in one. But in 1 Kings 8.22, talks about it. In Ezra 9.5, Psalm 63.4, There's so many. There's so many verses about raising our hands. Nehemiah 8.6 says, Ezra praised the Lord. The great God. And all. Say all. all. How many is all? all? Everything. All. All the people lifted their hands and responded. Amen. Amen. Then they bowed down and worshipped the Lord with their faces to the ground. You see, raising our hands is not a modern thing. The Pentecostal movement did not create this concept of raising hands. No church came up with this concept. It's actually an ancient uh, in times tradition to show attention, to submission to, dependence upon a deity or an authority figure. The biblical, the biblical Hebrew for the word, uh, for this act, it's also one of the words, the word praise. When we use the word praise, there's actually seven different original Hebrew meanings of the word praise that we're going to cover in this teaching. But one of them is yada. Say yada. yada. You've all spoken Hebrew this morning. I bet you've never done that. Well done. You can take that home. Yada. Not Yoda. Yada. Jade, not Yoda. Yada. 
She loves Star Wars or Star Trek, whichever. I'm joking. Um, and this is what it means. It's to take action, to take place. It literally means yada. When you see the word yada, and I'm going to give you a couple of verses, it says to literally hold out their hand physically, especially in reverence or in worship, to yada. And so in the Hebrew concordance, that word yada, it's, it, you see it between Genesis and Psalms 114 times in 111 verses. That, that's crazy. It's multiplied so many times. And so often, you and I have read this without even realizing that he, God is saying, stretch out your hands. I'm going to show you right now. In Psalms 32, when it says, praise the Lord with harp. So we need a harp on stage. Uh, <laughs> sing unto him uh, with instruments of ten strings. The word praise is yada. Yeah. It's, it's praise him with extended hands. In Psalms 42.5, it says, Why art thou ca cast down, O my soul? Why, why do I feel like there's my hope in God? For I shall yet yada him for the help of his countenance. I yada, I praise him. And then it continues, it says, I will yada, O God. It's an outward expression. So if you're new and you're like, why the heck do they raise their hands? Because it, it's what he wants us. It, it's his command. It's stretch out your hand. You are worthy of being praised. But what else? Why do we do it? Yes, the Bible tells us to, and that's probably the best place to start because if it's just my opinion, then uh, I don't trust my judgment all the time. But if it's God's opinion, then I pretty much judge what he says, right? I, I trust what he says. But there's something significant about this position, with our hands raised high. Whether you're in a battle, in a warfare, you know, these things make the exact... That both, both sides of the army do this, right? There's one side who've lost the battle, and what do they say? I and the And the other team, they hit out their hands like this, and they are, we are victorious. They do it all the time. So... So what I want to look at is surrender. See, when we do this, it, it represents a life surrendered to God. It's our expression is, I surrender all. I don't know what else to do. I feel like my arms want to pop out of my body just to express that my whole life is yours. We're declaring that, God, you're in control. I trust you. You're in control. I surrender my thoughts. I surrender my will. I surrender my life. I surrender how I raise my family. I surrender because I can't do it. Only you can. So in, in that revelation, I lift my hands in worship together. In Romans 12.1, Passion Translation. My Connect Group loved the Passion Translation. Come on, Connect Group, where are you? That's right, I've got the whole church there. It says this, beloved friends, what should be our proper response to God's marvelous mercies? I encourage you to surrender yourselves to God, to be His sacred living sacrifice. You know, it's easy to say, I'll die for you. It's hard to say, I'll live for you every day and die daily. And live in holiness experiencing all that he delights in his heart. For this becomes your genuine expression of worship. And we've got to surrender all. The second thing it does, it represents our position in Christ's righteousness. 
Let me say that again. It represents your position in His righteousness. It's a declaration of our faith. Romans 5 says, therefore, say therefore. therefore. Being justified by faith, we are just as if we have never sinned by the, our faith. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom we also have access by faith into this grace, whether we stand and rejoice in the hope of God. The, it, it, it's just this reminds me that I am the righteousness of God. I lift my hand. And I say, if the devil thinks you've stuffed up, you've sinned, how can you stand there and worship? Don't you know what you did on the way to church, what you said to that person? And I'm reminded, I get up and we sing. I'm like, no, I am the righteousness of God. I stand before God and he looks at me and he loves me. So I stand and I worship. So incredible when we get that revelation. And third thing it does, it symbolizes our victory. Oh, and I get excited about this. Because it's something of, have you, like, I don't know the score, but did Para win yesterday or they lost? They lost. Oh, let's not talk about that game. Uh, but when Parramatta did win the other week, they thrashed the other team. I, I can't imagine, right, they're spectators. Let's go with the week before. I can't imagine, right, like, they're spectators. Parramatta has just won, and their team's like, oh, we won awesome i can expect they're like we won and like going crazy and cheering and like they're high-fiving and they're doing crazy stuff like painted all over their body and blue and yellows weird stuff that they do in the footy but you know what when we realize that we're on the winning side that we are victorious that nothing stands against me i stand with arms and i worship him that's why we do it I stand with arms high and heart abandoned in all of all you have done for me. You're not going to hell. That should make you want to put your hands up in victory and go, far out, it's true. Imagine if you were to escape prison. How much would you love your freedom? You've escaped an eternal prison. How much more? The second thing I want to look at. Is this all right? Second posture is our corporate singing of songs. The other Hebrew word for praise, it's, it's the word tehelia. Say tehelia. Tehelia. Say it again. Be confident. There's no Hebrews in this place, so that's good. We can make it up. It's exactly how you say it, because Google told me like for like 10 minutes. How do you say it again? Pronounce it, pronounce it, pronounce it. And you find this 56 times in the Old Testament alone. And a simple way of thinking of this, Tehelia means a song of hymn of praise. It's describing us singing and vocalizing our praise. And, and you find it in Psalm 104, is one verse. It says, enter his gates uh, with thanksgiving and his courts with Tehelia, praise. Give him thanks and bless his name. And the other Hebrew name word for praise is Toda. Say Toda. Cool Hebrew words. And this is a confession of our faith, singing alongside one community. It's not intended for you just to stay at home and worship him on your own. The Bible specifically says, and I'll show you some verses, when it says, sing praise together, it's to sing that word praise in association, in one community, not just in a private life, but also, you do it at home, do it in your car, do it wherever you want, but also together. And I'm going to show you why we do this as well. It says this, 
it says, Oh, sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Sing to the Lord and bless his name. Tell of his salvation from day to day. Sing praises to God. Sing praises, sing praises to our God, sing praises. In four verses, you are just being commanded seven times to sing praises. So how dare, like no judgment, if you don't, that's fine. But how dare I, if I have this revelation, sit here, I'm like, I'm not, I'm not singing praises. If I was to be really honest, you know how many times that happens to me? A lot. And God has to speak to me. And I have to get that fresh revelation to go, Sal, what's it about? I'm like, you're right, it's about you. I have to transform the way I think and how I see and come to him. I'm sorry. And all of a sudden, I sing praises to him. And the enemy wants to lie to you and say, this is why you shouldn't. And I, I want to release freedom and say, this is why you should. Because he loves it when you praise him. Did you know why God commands it so much? It's because he sings over you. I know Leo said he laughs over us. I didn't believe him at first. I had to research my own thing. I'm like, oh, he's telling the truth. I always trust you, Leo. But it's always good just to go in, um, you know. But it, it says here, Zephaniah 3.17. It says this, The Lord your God is in your midst, a mighty one who, save, who will save. He will rejoice over you with gladness, and he will quiet you by his love. He will exult over you with loud singing. You think you can sing loud? He's singing louder over us. That is amazing. He exalts over his people. We worship a triune God who sings. But I can say what it does for us. When we start declaring with one voice as a church corporate gathering, something begins to shift on the inside. Like, I don't know if you experience, like, there are times where I see new people come, and sometimes you haven't been in church, and they're just weeping because it's like, oh, Gosh, I feel something. Sometimes we can get so used to the presence that we're like, he played the wrong flipping note again on the bass guitar. There was no, I'm just saying, right? Like, we'll, we'll think this way. But, but when, we, when we come back and we worship in corporate singing, our faith starts to rise on the inside. Like, something within me starts to, whatever storm we're facing, whatever obstacle was in our wake, I promise you this, it happens. Faith starts to arise within you that you know you are more than a conqueror. We start singing things like this. I'll raise a hallelujah. Where? In the presence of my enemies. I'll raise a hallelujah. Come on, sing. Louder than the unbelief. And then we go into the chorus. And it goes, and I don't have a girl's voice, but it's, I'm going to sing in the middle of this. Come on, sing it out. Keep going. Up from the ashes. What rises? Hope will arise. Come on. Death is defeated. The king is... Come on, give him a shout of praise. When that is the cry of your heart, you might be still facing... We, we, my, my wife lost her dad a month ago hardest season we've gone through but we could still sing I raise a hallelujah in the presence of my enemies situation did it change but we grew strong in that my faith is built on him alone and that's when we praise him so good you know that word hallelujah it means this is crazy we, we hallelujah the world has so dumbed that word down to this song that's not even about God 
And it's about other things. And, you know, we go, oh, hallelujah, praise the Lord, he's all right. Like, like the word hallelujah, the original root means to boastful and to shout of a corporate praise. Hale is to praise. Hale, Yah is Yahweh. Praise Yahweh. Not just God this. His personal name, Yahweh. The name that the Jewish people wouldn't even write. God gives us the ability to go praise Yahweh. It's amazing when we sing. So next time you hear that word, hallelujah. It's a corporate gathering of one voice, one body, worshiping one God. But can I, before we move on, I love to yell and rant. I'm Italian. We're just so good at it. Understand this. It's not about how loud you yell his name. It's about the authority in that name. You can yell Jesus as loud as you want, but if you don't believe in that name and have full trust and understand the authority of that name, you are just going to lose your voice. But when we say, Jesus, Jesus, you make the darkness tremble, we believe that name, that he makes the darkness tremble, that authority of the name of Jesus, guess what happens? Darkness trembles around you. It's not about how loud you yell. The authority in that name, Jesus. But oh my goodness, when you know that authority, you're going to yell it from the top of your lungs. Amen? Amen. Whoo! I get to sing so much in this. I want to preach on worship every month. Is that okay? (laughs) Hey, um, you know, my first ever sermon, it's on YouTube, it was actually on worship in this very church. Yeah, don't listen to it. It's terrible. (laughs) So cringe. I'm like, no. The third thing we do. We kneel in reverence, and Christine has spoken about that amazing this morning. But the posture of worship and expression of reverence and submission is one of kneeling. Yeah. And we need to get back to that place of kneeling. We don't do it enough. And, and, and in Psalms, it says, like, it's, it's the same as like bowing down. It's this kneeling, it's a posture of bow and kneel before, before the throne. And I'm talking about corporately setting, right here. Like if, if, if God is speaking to you and you need to receive a word, sometimes I just kneel and go, oh, what is it that you want to say? What is it? Two things that happens, I believe, when we kneel. It acknowledges our lordship of Jesus as Lord, like he's Lord, your Lord, your master. Have you seen those movies where they're like, kneel before you, and like they get to, like, like, we don't do it like that, but we just kneel because he is my God. Can I, you know when you read scripture, and you've read it like a hundred times, and then you read it again, and you're like, what the heck, who put that in my Bible? That wasn't there before. And I'm like, babe, you worked on my Bible, didn't you? You're like tricking me. She's like, like, I read this scripture, and I was like, no way, profound thing. I shared it with my wife, but... Mark 5, 1 to 8. I'm just going to read it real quick because this just blew me away. We've read this over. Mark 5, 1 to 8. It's about when Jesus heals the demon-possessed man because they, they went across the lake to the region of the Gerasians. When Jesus got out of the boat, a man with an evil spirit came from the tombs to meet him. The man lived in the tombs and no one could bind him anymore 
For even with the chain, for he had often been chained hand and foot, and he tore the chains apart and broke the irons on his feet. No one was strong enough to subdue him. Night and day among the tombs in the hills, he would cry out and cut himself with stones. But when he saw Jesus from a distance, he ran and fell on his knees in front of him. And he shouted the top of his voice, What do you want with me, Jesus? So we know it's not the man. This is the demon saying, because he goes, what do you want with me, Jesus, son of the most high? Swear to God that you won't torture me. Clearly, the demon's talking. We've read that so many times. That original meaning of fell down comes from the Greek word proskeneo. That literally means to kiss like a dog licking his master's hands, to crouch down, literally to posture oneself in homage and in reverence to worship. If a demon bows his knee to the Lord, and, and he's the enemy, how much more do I need to bow my knees to him who did it all for me? If that challenges you, please, it challenged me. Allow yourself, be free on our Sunday services. If God is speaking to you, the space, kneel if you need to. The second thing it does, it's a sign of earnest desperation. Like, it's this desperation. It's an attitude from the heart that I'm desperate. God, I'm desperate for you to move in my life. I need to be refilled. I need a touch. I need, I need whatever. I'm desperate. Like, parents. Have you ever had kids come up to you and say, can I please have this? Like, I'm a sucker for my kids, right? Daddy, can I have this? No, please, no, please. I'm like, don't tell your mother, go. And it's like, <laughs> I'm, no secrets, it's, it's all good. But there's this desperation. You see it all through scripture. Matthew 8, 2. Right, right away, a man with a serious skin disease came up and knelt before him saying, Lord, if you're willing, make me clean. When is the last time we got on our knees in corporate worship as a posture of our need for Him in our lives? Because I can't do this without Him. I can't lead my wife without Him. I can't raise my kids without Him. I can't preach without Him. I can't breathe. I can't live. I can't do anything without Him. And sometimes we need to posture ourselves just to receive. I need you. And God is so faithful that He will fill you up with whatever you need. You need peace? Man, God's anoint- like God's doing something. Every time I ask for peace, His Holy Spirit just comes, <sighs> breathes His peace. I just rest, and sometimes I need to kneel, or I sit. I just sit because my knees are getting old. Us old people. I just sit in His presence. It's okay to sit in His presence. If you're sitting in church, you see me sit sometimes? You know what? Someone actually said to me, hey, why are you sitting in the presence of God? You should be standing. And I said, I'm receiving. <laughs> it's okay to receive and sit, okay? I want to release you this morning. The fourth thing, I've only got another 10 points. The fourth thing <laughs> is joyful in his presence. Oh, this is my favorite one. It's the third most... Um, this word is used 44 times, and it's a, it's a Hebrew word of zamar. Um, and what I like about this is, as a muso, it, it, it def- it, this is awesome, because it actually describes an instrument that's been plucked, and it's actually been played. So, um, Jono, you smash out that Fender guitar, bro, and zamar him every time, okay? Because you are our John Mayer of the worship team. You're a legend, holding your brand new 
This guy has just had a baby. He's holding, no, he did, his wife did. And he's holding his baby right now and he's about to get up and play. I want to just honor him. You guys are incredible. But in the presence of God, his people even danced in worship. It's in, in two, it's 2 Samuel 6, 14, Psalm 149, 3. If you're not writing these down, I'll give them to you. Psalm 110, 4. Like, let me read this, Psalm 95. It says, I've already read it before. But it's, come, let us dance, let us sing, let us sing for joy. Like you don't sing for joy with a depressed, it's not an emo song. We're not listening to like, we're, we're singing with joy. It's an expression of our joyfulness. Yes. And you know, it's not happiness. Let's get it straight. God, never, Bible doesn't promise you to be happy. We're happy in Him. Happiness, if you don't know, it's all about your circumstances. I'm not happy because this happened. And because of this, I'm not going to worship. I'm not going to be joyful. And so what I'm trying to do is do this. The, 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 our strength, it says the joy, what it, say it with me. It's my strength comes from, that's the one. That's why he's the lead guy, right? <laughs> The joy of the Lord, say it with me, the joy of the Lord is my strength. It's not in whether I have a car or not. It's not whether I have a house or not. It's not whether I have this or not. It's not whether I have the newest clothes or not. It's not whether, my strength in life comes from my joy found in Him alone. And nobody can steal it when it's in Him. Because if it's in your car, guess what happens when someone steals your car? They're taking your joy. If it's in your home and all of a sudden a disaster happens in your home, who's... But if it's in God, how can anyone take him? He's all-powerful. He's all-powerful. Nothing can stand against him. It's easy to be happy like that, but joy. And and this is like, it's crazy. Because this is why Peter can write to a persecuted church in 1 Peter. These guys are being killed for their faith, literally. Killed because they're a Christian. And Peter has the audacity to say this, though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. How can you have joy when you're about to die? It must come from somewhere deep. And, and, and it has to come in, a, a joy's got to be in Him. You've got to remind yourself of what He has done for you. You need to remind yourself, and then what happens, you, know, you understand, Friday nights and Saturday nights, the city is packed with people dancing with not joy, with happiness. And it's fueled with other stuff. And then we come to church on a Sunday, and we're annoyed. We should be the most joyful people on this planet. We should be the ones who are dancing undignified in a way where I don't care. Have you seen some of their dance moves? It's weird. What the heck is this? What's this? It looks stupid. Oh, it's a dance move. Damn. Like, I, my kids do it, but it looks weird. So if they're okay to do that, why can't I dance before the Lord in a joyful way? I'm telling you, this looks better than, what's up, man? For those flosses out there, keep it up. You're cool. You're awesome. <laughs> My last point is this. 
Joy, isn't it good to be joyful in the house of the Lord? All right. Our last point is this. So we've talked about hands raised. Talked about singing corporately. Why we sing? Raise a hallelujah. Talked about bowing our knee in reverence corporately together. Talked about jumping and dancing in his presence. He's freaking out going, what fast song are we doing after this? <laughs> you know, that's why we have fast songs. It's not in the Bible. Someone said, you know, praise and worship, fast song, slow song. It's not in the Bible. I'm like, okay, I'm pretty sure we can dance before his presence. It's a lot easier to dance with, I won't play, I won't play the drums, but with an awesome beat. And like, so that's why we have fast songs. So um, when we play a fast song, can I encourage you, if you will, if you have this revelation, just get up the front here and start dancing and have a cool little mosh pit for Jesus. All right, next point. <laughs> Lying face down. Ooh, I heard a few, ooh, it's like a controversial point. It's like, ooh. We don't lie down. I don't know about you, but every night when I go to bed, I'm laying down, right? Um, okay. <laughs> Think about it. <laughs> Lay in bed, you don't stand. Okay, in the presence of God, his people fell on their face in worship. And there's so many scriptures on this. But no position symbolizes humility better than being on our face before God. You're the most vulnerable when you're face down. It says vulnerability before God. And sometimes I do this, but I just need to receive rest from him. You know, Jesus says, come to me all who are weary and heavy laden, heavy burdened. Do you ever feel weary at times? Anyone else? Please don't make me the only one in this room. We're family. Whoever feels burdensome sometimes, it's like, I can't take this. He goes, come to me. Take it off. I will give you rest. And sometimes when you need rest, you don't need to be dancing. You don't need to be screaming. You don't need to have your hands sometimes. Oh, I just need a leg. And be okay with it. I know we don't have a lot of room, so you might hurt yourself. So I sit, and I just lay. And I do it at home. I do it here. Sometimes you need that. Again, it's the posture of your worship is dependent on what's going on in here. And be okay with that this morning. Be free to be what God's doing. And remember, it doesn't take away and distract from what God wants to do. I'm not making it about me. I'm not going to lie on the floor during worship here to show you all what I'm doing. I might just go over there because it's my thing. I might like whatever it looks like. Make sense? We're giving him the glory. And then there's another thing that happens when we lay. And I wanted to touch on this because I have time. And in Pentecostal circles, especially in those circles, you hear the terminology slain in the spirit. Not really talks about that on this pulpit. Not just, I, I don't really hear that a lot. And I was always like, I remember when I was first introduced to this, I was like, I was like, come for prayer. I was like, okay. I was like 15, 16. Mum made me go. My brother and I went to this place. And Okay, what are we going to do? Literally, not lying. They let, like, people are just falling. Bam, bam, bam. I'm like, oh my gosh. They're hypnotizing them. Or like, what are they doing? Paz and I looking at each other going, oh no, where next? Like, it's like him and him. Like, do we just fall? Like, what happens, right? I just flipped out. So you might see people fall and go, what the heck is going on? I want to bring some clarity this morning. Is that okay? Yeah. There's a lot of times in Scripture 
where people encountered the glory of God and his power so hard that they fought. I'm going to show you some scriptures now. In 2 Chronicles, it says, Then the house was filled with a cloud, even the house of the Lord, so that the priests could not stand to minister by reason of the cloud, for the glory of the Lord had filled the house of God. When he comes, when God comes, and he hits you, you know it. You don't tremble. Maybe I, you fall. And sometimes you tremble because like there's a, chair behind me and I'm scared. Like, that's okay. There's another one here. It says, um, in, in Ezekiel, it says, he brought, me, he brought me by the way of the north gate to the front of the temple. So I looked and behold, the glory of the Lord filled the house of the Lord and I fell. It didn't say I laid down. I fell on my face. In Acts, on the, on, on when Saul was heading to Damascus, it says, suddenly a light shone around him and he fell to the ground. Sometimes, it, it's not all the time, but sometimes if God hits and you fall, it's okay. Is that okay? Yeah. And if you see it and you're like, what? It's okay. They're not weird. Oh, it depends what it is. But um, <laughs> if it's peppy, he's weird. And uh, it, I, was, I was very skeptical of this. I was like, you're all nuts. And then I was at a, um, I was at a youth uh, leaders rally before youth started in another church. And um, I'm like, I'm not ever going to do this. And I, I don't even remember being on the ground. I don't remember being on the ground. Like, God just hit. I can't explain that. And, and when we see something we can't explain, sometimes what our flesh wants to do is go, they're crazy, they're this or this. But sometimes we're allowed to think that God is bigger than my head. He's bigger than the box I want to put him in. And if God wants to like, hit someone, if God wants to speak to, through a donkey to get his point across and he's done in the Bible, he can do whatever he wants. But... Don't fabricate what God isn't doing in your life. That is what I want to put. Don't fabricate it. If he didn't hit you and you think, maybe I should fall down, maybe you should stand up. Amen? Is that okay? In Revelation 117, I'm finished with this, tells us the apostle John fell at the feet of Jesus in a vision he had. He had a vision on the island of Patmos, and the word fell is the Greek word pip, pipto. There's some Greek here, pipto. Sounds like a fruit. Um, which means, so he fell, and it means, that original word fell in Revelation 1.17, to fall from an upright position. And it usually is described of those who fall in battle, which have meant you can either fall forward or you can fall backwards. John fell to the floor. And sometimes... When you experience his glory, will I stand for you, Jesus? Or in awe of you, be still. There's so many different posture expressions of our worship. Church, be free and released in the right way to worship him in a, in a, a corporate setting. Does that make sense? Like, and I'm. Before, I'm, I'm done, but what I mean is it's not distracting. To, so, so I'm not giving you permission just to run up on stage 
and just run around because like like does that make sense because that's going to distract from what god is doing here we all come together in one unified spirit to worship him and you know what today i knelt today i sat today i stretched out my hands today i jumped today i sung and i almost lied down but i did i sat and not one person would have noticed because i'm not drawing attention to me i'm just reflecting what he's doing in me and giving him all the glory this is my expression of worship we all have different postures and it can all happen in any one service awesome thanks guys listening to the GGC Life podcast. We hope this message has encouraged you. For more, please visit our website, ggclife.com, or email us, ggclife at ggclife.com. From our house to yours, be blessed.